0: Welcome to Prepare to Care, the ARP podcast with resources and tools to support the millions of family caregivers who provide unpaid care to their loved ones. I'm Marie Pierre, your host for this podcast. For those of you who may not know, May is National Asian Pacific American Heritage Month. And in Houston, with one of the largest Asian American populations in the United States, that's a pretty big deal for us. So, today we've invited Regine Calvert, a longtime leader in Houston's Asian American community. And Regine will be sharing with us her caregiving story, how caregiving is approached differently in the Asian American community, and what are some resources out there for other Asian American caregivers like yourself. Coming up on Prepare to Care. Regine, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. So you are an Asian American here
1: in Houston. Yes, I was born here okay. many years ago, uh, so I've really seen the city change and grow, and in particular the Asian American community.
0: So, like, how large is the Asian American community in Houston? Do you have an idea?
1: Well, the official numbers are, you know, probably um, five hundred thousand, but I'm sure that's an undercount. Um, okay. But the largest group are the Vietnamese, and that's a little bit unique to Houston. Um, when you look across the country, across the nation, the Chinese are still the largest uh, ethnic Chinese, Asian ethnic group. Um, but in Houston, a lot of the Vietnamese, when they left their country because of the war and they became refugees, they uh, came to Houston because I think a lot of our weathers are, uh, are similar. And we're near the coast, so some of the occupations that they held in their native country, they could do here, farming and shrimping and fishing. And also Houston, as you know, is a great place for entrepreneurship and small businesses. And many of our Asian um, individuals go into their own business for various reasons.
0: So, you know it's interesting you'd say that so our, our son-in-law is of Vietnamese descent. so yes. our, our first grandchild is I guess a quarter Asian now um, which is which is fun for our family. Yeah. but I've noticed uh, when we visited um, uh, the, the in-laws um, on our daughter's side uh-huh. that uh, there's some similarities. I'm, I'm of French origin and there's okay. some cultural similarities in the way we treat families in the way that uh, that we care for relatives. And so the um, my 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 very small um, introduction to an Asian American family um, was that um, the 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 older generation is not treated quite the same as you would think of a of a purely American family,
1: and and that's true. But I'm going to ask you a question: When you say they're not treated the same, are they treated better or not better?
0: I think that the family relationships to me. Um, seem to be more like what I know of in, in France. Okay. Like you you don't seek as much outside uh, help okay. for care. Um, and there's a certain deference uh, to older people. Uh, you, you don't question older people as much. I know that's certainly true in the French culture. So, I mean, am I making this up Mendo or is that what you true. think
1: too? I, I And I'm American-born. I'm an ABC, American-born Chinese. Okay. So, but... Even though I am born here in, the, in you know America and have been you know I grew up with all the American ways, my 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 own family household was somewhat traditional. My mother w- was born in in San Francisco, so she was born a citizen, but she was born in San Francisco Chinatown, and it was just like being born in China. I mean, it was very traditional. Her family. Uh, brought her up very traditionally. And she, of the three sisters, three daughters, was probably one of the most traditional. She's the middle daughter, or the middle, yeah, daughter. But she was matched in marriage. And that, you know, back in the, I guess, 40s, was was somewhat unusual. My younger aunt, her sister of a, one year younger, ran off and got married and eloped. So she was very oh okay. Americanized. And her older sister, one year older, uh, actually did it the old-fashioned way. She met someone, and they fell in love, and and they were married for sixty-something years. And uh, she is of the three sisters still alive, hundred and two years old. So, it's extraordinary and it's wonderful. But um, seeing the three sisters grow up, and you know, from sort of the same household, same family, same environment, but. Went off differently, and 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 followed their their family culture differently. Uh, it was interesting. Of so, course.
0: So let me ask you. So you're telling me your mom was uh, was very traditional, very in, in a way. Matched in marriage. Did, did did you? Were you her caregiver at some point? So that is
1: the, my story. Is yeah. um, my mother outlived my father by thirty something years? So oh, wow. she was a widow for many many years and lived at home by herself, but um, two of my brothers, I have three, uh, and I live in the same city in Houston, so we were able to be with her and see her, but she lived alone, and she did well. She drove, and like I said, being born here in the United States and in San Francisco, she did have a fairly good command of English, which differentiates her from many of the other Asians, and that would be another unique issue that many of our uh, community members have to face is the linguistic and cultural differences and it's hard to find people that speak your language and understand your culture and you know caregiving is such a personal thing so there's there's of course family caregiving and then there's you know outside caregiving so uh what I'm finding many of my friends uh Depend on outside caregiving, but they try to find a familial type of person. But getting back to my story, so my mother lived alone for for many years, decades, and we would, you know, we were very close, so we all would get together. So that was not an issue, and she drove a car, which was also unusual for her. But after a certain age, you know, she had to stop and slow down, and she herself chose to do that, which was good. so she uh, started to get um, slower and, and not so much physically but mentally. And as it turns out, she was diagnosed with dementia, not Alzheimer's, but dementia. And um, the doctor said, you know she had like many heart uh, uh, strokes, strokes in her yeah, in her in her brain, I guess. And so that made her lose her kind of short-term memory. Um, and then gradually, so she lived to be 91 when she passed away. And and she started to really show this, I would say, in her mid-80s. So it was a good, you know, eight, eight years or so that she lived uh, with this um, deficit. Um, but it was gradual. And I think, you know, even though the professionals told us your mother needs to find full-time caregiving or live with somebody and all. It's it's hard. It's hard on the children because you, you know, you have to make decisions. And it wasn't something that we had really talked about. Um, so what really broke the camel, the straw that broke the camel's back is she she fell. But again, I always believe in signs, and this was God's way of telling us the children It's time because we didn't pay attention earlier when she fell she was at home and it was just a short distance from where her sitting her chair was to the tv and I don't know how it happened she may have slipped and all but but luckily I had just spoken to her within the hour to say I'm bringing you dinner it was a Sunday evening and don't you know heat up anything or whatever um So I got there within the hour, luckily, and she was on the floor by that time and she couldn't get up. And so she had fractured her pelvis and she had to go into the hospital and they decided to go ahead and give her a prosthetic, even though she was 87 at the time. And probably, you know, but the alternative was traction for six weeks or more. And that would have been terribly hard so we took her to the hospital and it was like another issue where she her body wasn't ready to go into surgery so that was an issue and then after surgery then she finally was ready and she went into surgery then her recovery there was an issue so it was like one thing after another and um, up to that point mom was just very independent and didn't require a lot of help Very uh, physically strong. She didn't really have a lot of physical health problems. But when she started slowing down, you know, I'd help her with her check writing and bill paying and those kinds of things. But tried to still keep her involved. And, uh, you know, we'd go and visit. And and then the other episode that happened, and this Mm -hmm. might have happened before she broke her, I can't remember the sequence now. But she she got a um, thrust. And that's a common thing for mainly children when they have milk and things right. like that. You know, you hadn't cleaned their mouth or their mouth has a lot of bacteria. White things, yeah. Well, she she grew that or she developed that. And it's very painful. Um, it's very painful and she didn't eat for a couple of days. And even though we were nearby and we tried to see her and I, I think there was a couple of three days that maybe had gone by. So my brother went by mm-hmm. and found her in bed. And that was another sign. So, again, I feel like we were given these signs where it was serious, but it was... It was
0: time. So, let's go back to, here she is, you know, she's declining Mm -hmm. for for the best of it. And and the family has to make decisions. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. you said culturally she was maybe better off than some other American...
1: Asian-Americans Asian Americans who the, have immigrated
0: she, here. You right,
1: and the fact that she could even speak English and understand English. So,
0: so But in, in the larger community, beyond your, your mother, do you see people who are struggling more because oh, of language? What, what are the things that you see in your community?
1: The language issue and, and just knowing where to start to find somebody. And so what my friends have done, some of them, and successfully is they advertise in the ethnic newspaper now you know, to me, when you advertise like that, you're you've got to be really careful about right. screening and interviewing and all. But there have been good good outcomes, and um, they found someone that would speak. And again, Chinese is very complicated in that we have so many dialects. So even though Somebody may be Chinese. They may not speak the dialect of your of your loved one, and so you have to say Cantonese, Mandarin, and sometimes. So there's... people
0: have to be like super precise. Like, yeah,
1: <laughs> because just because you you can speak Mandarin doesn't mean that the Cantonese speaker would understand you. As a matter of fact, it's almost foreign. Okay. So okay. So language is major. The other is culture, just understanding some of the apprehension, some of the traditions, some of the. Issues that an older Asian person would have.
0: Well, give us an example for those of us who don't well, know.
1: Well, I'll give you an example uh, that um, has to do more more generally. Like um, they, they a lot of them believe in feng shui. Feng right. shui is the placement and um, of 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 things around you, and based on your birth date and time and different things about you specifically, uh, your feng shui signs are different but there are some general things like you shouldn't put your front door opposite your back door because that your money goes straight out the door i mean you okay, know right. some of these may be like a wives' tales but it, it's kind of believable these are things that are important right my front door faces my back door it's very believable um so <laughs> things like that so where you place your bed your your mirror you know your windows your mirrors and so when somebody goes into, let's say, a, a, a residential assisted center, assisted living. Yeah. Mm-hmm, and it may not be placed correctly or, or, or located correctly. That could make them feel very uncomfortable. And where I'm guessing a,
0: in, in Anglo or whatever, or let's say a non-Asian caregiver right, would right. be completely oblivious, oblivious of that.
1: And, non, and non-appreciative and non-sympathetic, you know. Right. The person may say, no, no, we need to have it this way, and they may not understand why. Right. Food, dietary is important. That is true. And, um, you know, they have certain diets and, and, and foods that they enjoy and the way they like it cooked and all. And, of course, again, when you go into a regular assisted living or a residential center, it's hard to... Get accustomed
0: you know i think you bring a very good point because i think a lot of us assumed oh okay you know we're going to go particularly in a residential culture is going to be the, the the food of the dominant culture which is oh, very yeah. anglo yeah. and if i were put in a chinese retirement <laughs> home and i suddenly have to switch to you know a different kind of food i would yep. be yep. you know in my 80s or 90s yep.
1: it would be very disturbing it to me it would be hard it would be very hard, and so some of them stop eating or don't eat as well. Or the family will bring something in, so there are ways around it. But just but it's extra work. It's extra not only extra work, but just being in an environment where you can't communicate with the person that you're near. So the the workers in the place, in the hospital, in the clinic, in the in the assisted living, whatever it is. It's hard if they can't communicate with them.
0: Are there assisted living communities that
1: cater to the Asian community? So there are some where there is maybe a, a prevalence of some Asians there, you know, more than one, let's say, several. And um, so the, by word of mouth, we find out which ones there are. Um, there was a group of us, there are a group of us that have been wanting to start something that is um, aimed at Asian Americans Um, and we happen to start a clinic which has built its niche around really the immigrant refugee population started out mainly for Asian Americans but now the area they're located in is so diverse it caters to Hispanic and Africans and African Americans and, and Middle Easterns as well as Asians. So we would like to see an assisted living facility in the same vein. And so um, we have started a campaign now. We bought some land, and so we've reserved half of it for such a place. Now, that kind of a place will take time and money and all, and that's going to be three to five years. (laughs) And so what happens now, we're limping along. But there are a few uh, assisted living homes that are residences that are um, you know they cater to Asians and th- you're not going to get the food and you're not necessarily going to get the cultural things but at least you see a face or two that, that look looks like, like you. you and so there's some comfort there
0: so is there do you feel there's a, a difference or if there are difference what are they between uh, people from your mother's generation and maybe people from your generation. Oh yes. I'm also guessing there are people of or your or mine generation, but they've just arrived a few years ago. That's right. So
1: you know how does this all work? Some so someday it will all be sorted out. Okay. <laughs> but I think right now we're in between the two generations, and you hmm. picked up on that very well. Because my issue, uh, my thought is that when the older generation does leave us, and and um, the, the language issue will not be as acute. Um, culture will always be somewhat of an issue. And then, you know, all that food and everything related to culture. But my generation, we were either born here or we've lived here a long time. And so we've acculturated pretty well. And so it's not quite an issue. Uh, and language for sure is not an issue do you see so do you still see
0: waves of people who are uh, asian people who are immigrating yeah. to the united states who still have the language yeah. issue we'll
1: still have oh they're like
0: do, do you see like parents coming to rejoin with children that or?
1: Too. Uh-huh. so newer uh immigrants had a immigrated here because of jobs or or education or something and as you know our immigration policies are changing so we may see fewer of those people coming Mm -hmm. as opposed to earlier years so that's going to be an issue and number two as you say once they come here and they settle here they bring their own but that immigration policy is changing so reunification of families has been very tightened very much so I think that some of the things that the, the outcomes that we've seen because our immigration policy has brought a lot of, uh, let's say Asians here, um, is going to change because the numbers are, are decreasing. Okay.
0: Which then, in in term I mean, it's not going to be as easy to find like a, a
1: caretaker for mom or dad because no. I'm, I'm guessing you, you would count as on as a new arrival. As long as we have a few people coming here, yeah. Then, then and, they and, will be there. And they're looking for that kind of job, yeah, it, it helps.
0: So, th- this is about the time we wrap up. Um, if there was one one issue that you would want people to be aware of when it relates to the aging Asian-American community, what would that be? For the caregiver,
1: mm-hmm. I would say that you need to reach out for help. You know? okay. um, we all feel very obligated because it's part of the culture. You take care of your elders, and uh, I think my generation now, it's more acceptable to look for a, a good place for your loved one if that, if that needs to be because of their health condition, you can't be there or you're working and you aren't able. So yeah, those kinds of things. But even at that, look for help and um, reach out for you know whatever help you can get. All right,
0: thank you so much. So today we've spoken with Rajin Calvert, an Asian American community leader in Houston. Uh, Regine talked about her experience adv- and advice for other caregivers. Um, thank you for joining us, Regine. Thank you,
1: Marie.
0: Um, as always, if you thought this podcast was helpful, or if you have friends or family who are new to caregiving, invite them to follow the Prepare to Care podcast at iTunes, SoundCloud, or at wwwarporg slash Houston I'm going to repeat that. It's wwwarporg slash Houston PTC. Take our Prepare to Care podcast survey. Uh, It will help us improve future episodes or find other caregiving planning and local resources to help you and your loved ones. Thanks for listening. And as always, thanks for caring.